Morning, Soma. I'm Toby, and it's, it's so good to be able to bring God's Word to us this morning. Um, it's, and it's also so good to be gathered together. And I'm sad that we can't gather together in person. I'm, I really look forward to the day where we're gathering with no fear of a virus um, and where we can all have a nice cup of tea together. This year, we're still in the year of authentic community in the world. That's, that's this year's topic. And part of this topic has been looking at the one another's within the Bible. And, and, and thinking about how we can be um, authentic followers of Jesus with one another. And this morning, uh, we'll be thinking about consider how to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. I remember during the Olympics this year, um, one of the one of the Aussie swimmers he won a medal for his country, but I can't for the life of me remember his name. I tried looking it up, I couldn't remember it. But legend, um, he he went for the he did this massive swim, and he came out and you know how they have those interviews um, afterwards. He went straight to this interview, and he said something that kind of stuck with me. Because he's, what he said was, was, people think that swimming is an individual sport, but it's not. He said, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my friends, my family, my, my coach, and my swimming community who, who encouraged me, who motivated me. And the reason I say this is because uh, today's passage in Hebrews has the exhortation to spur one another on. To live, to, well, to love and good deeds. Not toward an Olympic medal, toward love and good deeds. And so what I want us to think about this morning is, is the why, the what, and the how. And we'll be pu- pulling our points straight from the text. There'll be three points. First of all, the why. Um, verse 19 to 21. Spur one another on because of Jesus. Then we'll have the what, verse 22 to 24, spur one another on to live for Jesus. And then we'll have the how, verse 25, spur one another on by gathering and encouraging. So first of all, the why, spur one another on because of Jesus. Let me read verse 19 to 21. Therefore, brothers and sisters, Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, I'm going to stop there. There's a lot in there. And what the writer of Hebrews is doing is he's actually summing up the last nine chapters of Hebrews into three verses. And we don't have time to to delve into it deeply. Um, but we will be looking at Hebrews next year, which is exciting. Um, but essentially, what he's been saying is, is that, that Jesus' death is a worthy sacrifice to atone or, or to make amends for the sins of his people. Jesus' death is a worthy sacrifice to atone or to make amends for the sins of his people. There's no longer the need to sacrifice animals under the old covenant because a new covenant has come. And in this new covenant, Jesus' death is, is enough 
for us to enter into God's presence. Notice the part where he says, um, by a new and living way, open through us through the curtain that is his body. His body has served to be a curtain where we can access God. And the point he's been making uh, throughout the whole book is that Jesus is better. Jesus is better than anything else. <laughs> John Piper asks this question. I really like it. Um, I, I think it's really challenging. And answer this in your heart. If you could have heaven with no sickness, with all the friends you ever had on earth, all the food you ever liked and all the leisure activities you ever enjoyed and all the natural beauties you ever saw, all the physical pleasures you ever tasted and no human conflict or any natural disasters, could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ were not there? Oh man, the answer of Hebrews is no. Jesus is better. <laughs> Jesus is better than the end of lockdown. Jesus is better than our, res our, our renovations. Jesus is better than our financial security. Jesus is better. It's only through Jesus that we can be saved. It's only through Jesus that we can be satisfied. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Because if so, this changes everything. It changes how we see the world. It changes how we interact with each other. It changes how we live. Now, this brings us on to our second point, because he's saying, well, well Jesus is better. And, and since Jesus has done this, this work for us, and since he's become our access to the Father, twice in these verses, he says, since we... He's saying, since we have confidence in Jesus, since we have confidence in Jesus' death and resurrection, since we have access to the Father through the sacrifice of Jesus, then he's going to say, well, let us do these things. The work of Jesus comes before our actions. We, we respond to the work that he has done. So if we believe this, then how are we going to respond? And, and the writer of Hebrews uh, gives three Three ways that we can respond. So verse 22, well, since Jesus has done this, verse 22, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings. Since Jesus has done this, verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And since Jesus has done this, verse 24, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And this is the one we're going to be unpacking this morning. Now on to the second point, the, the, the what. What does it mean? Spur one another on to live for Jesus. I wonder whether you guys remember the part in, in Acts where Paul and Barnabas um, have a sharp disagreement. That's, that's what it's called, in, at least in the NIV. They have a sharp disagreement. They, they, they want to go different ways. Uh, they have a disagreement over mission strategies. And so they part ways. They eventually come together, but they part ways. And this word for sharp disagreement is the same Greek word used here for spur on. 
It doesn't mean disagree. It means agitate. It means provoke. I remember as a kid, um, I have two older brothers. So we provoke each other to do a lot of things. And, and as a kid in a small country town, we tried to think of ways to entertain ourselves. And um, we provoke each other mostly to not good things. And, and this one particularly I'm not proud of. Um, but there was a point where we go out at night with flathead screwdrivers and, and we go to these cars and, and pop off the hood ornaments or the, or the logos on the car and we bring them home and, and we pull out the sheet that we've written all the types of car on and tick them off Mercedes and BMW today. But we wouldn't have done that if we didn't provoke each other to do it. <laughs> we often think of agitate or provoke with, with, with negative outcomes. And that's how the words are usually used. We provoke to anger. Uh, and Paul and Barnabas provoked each other to part ways. So this word seems out of place here when it says provoke each other to love and, and good deeds. But... But what I believe the Hebrew writer is doing is, is he's saying, he's using the word ironically and he's saying don't provoke to anger. Don't provoke to, to bad deeds. And we see that within the worldwide church, don't we? We see Christians provoking other Christians to, to bad things, provoking them to anger and, and things that end up leading to sin. So, so what the writer is saying is, Provoke each other to good deeds, not bad deeds. Provoke each other to love, not hate, not anger. To love. So it's a heavier word than spur on. It's provoking each other in an ironic way. But what, what is this love and, and good deeds that we're to be provoking each other towards? Well, I believe that, that love and good deeds is, is the most broad phrase in the world love and good deeds um, but they are the two characteristics or two of the characteristics of, of what it means to follow Jesus you know faith without works is dead or, or, or uh, we love because God first loved us they're two of the most common characteristics for um, followers of Jesus to to follow and ways, ways for us to live. And so I think it's deliberately broad. Because, because what the writer is doing is, is capturing what it is to follow Jesus. Within the church, with each other and, and outside of the church, missionally uh, encapsulates our identities as followers of Jesus. We're missionaries, we're servants, we're family, we're disciples. Love and good deeds captures all of that. I don't, I don't believe he's saying a particular kind of love, a particular kind of good work. It's saying spur one another on or provoke each other toward living the way God intends you to live. Now, the last thing on this, this second section is, is to notice um, the word consider. It says, let us consider how to do these things. Let us consider how to provoke each other towards living for Jesus. And this is really, really, really important because this is saying, well, let us think about it. Let us mull it over in our heads. It's not just rocking up to our gospel community gatherings or the Sunday gatherings. It's actively 
thinking about, planning, figuring out how we can be doing these things. Figure, thinking, how can I be spurring this person on to be obedient, to be missional, to be loving? Well, now we'll dive into the, the third part. So because Jesus is better, we're to respond to that by provoking each other and considering how not, not to hate, not towards hate or towards anger or bad works, but towards love and good works, the, the actions of living for Jesus. But how? How? So the third point, verse 25, spur one another on by gathering and encouraging and verse 25 gives us one thing not to do and one thing to do let me read it not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching so not giving up or, or neglecting meeting together but encouraging one another Let's start with the one that we're not supposed to do. Not giving up or not neglecting meeting together. This meeting together, the, the, the word used there, is, is primarily talking about the coming together, the assembly of Christians. Um, and while I think it does encapsulate gospel communities and, and DNAs in that, I think it's primarily talking about the Sunday gathering where, where all the Christians come together and gather together. Uh, as a whole church and the church that this is written to um, were likely under persecution at the time as well so to gather together would have been very dangerous for them they'd be putting their lives on the line and yet he's still saying don't neglect to do this and isn't it interesting that 2,000 years later we're still like we we still neglect it we're still tempted to neglect meeting together Um, but The thing is, the more we neglect to meet together as Christians, then the less we're going to be spurring one another on to live for him. And so it becomes not just about us, not just an individual thing, but it becomes about the whole church, about other people's faith, other people's minds, other people's um, walks with Jesus, other people's hearts. And that's one of the massive problems with today's uh well i think the church today is we think far too individualistically we're surrounded by a society that's very very individual dave's done talks on this and and you should go listen to them they're probably on the website um like the the phrase you do you is so individual no we're, we're supposed to be doing this as a community so that's what this year's topic is trying to, trying to tackle, that, that we're a community following Jesus together. But the way the world influences us and, and the way that that fleshes out in uh, Sunday gatherings, I think we see this in two different ways. On one hand, we either think we don't need to gather because, uh, because what we really need is another um, hour or two in bed or uh, what we really need is, is that special family time or exercise or, or, or to finish the work on the house and, and these aren't bad things they're not bad things but 
we need to reorientate uh, our thinking and our planning and our prioritizing of that list. On the other hand, uh, we think that we don't have anything to bring. That, that when we come to the gathering, we'll probably just be chasing kids anyway. So, so what have I got to bring? Or, or I'll probably be tired or in the wrong state of mind or um, I've had a full-on week and I just can't get there. Or the online church is hard and it really, really is. But even by turning up, we're spurring one another on. Just by being present. When, when parents see that other parents make the effort, that's so encouraging. When people see that, that other people who have had the busiest week in the world are still there, that's so encouraging. It helps us to see the wider picture, that, that pressing through these things, we can, we can live the way God intends us to live, even when we're tired, even when we have wild kids, or uh, even when we're online. So Hebrews is, uh, is stressing that to, to spur one another on and to be spurred on ourselves to live for Jesus, we can't neglect the gathering. So now on to the thing that he tells us to do. He says, encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The day approaching meaning, meaning the day Jesus returns to judge the world, the day he comes to, to restore the world and take us home. So all the more as we see this day coming, and, and actually, every day, we're seeing that day coming more and more. <laughs> and so, which means that every day, we should be encouraging people more and more and more to stick to their walk with Jesus, to tell people about the sacrifice that, that Jesus paid and, and, and the entryway to the to our relationship with the Father because of that sacrifice, that it was fitting. But encourage one another. Again, again, encourage one another is very broad. Um, what does that look like? What does it look like to encourage one another? And, and this is what I want us to, to think about in our breakout rooms and, and in our gospel communities this week. Ask each other indiv individually, what encourages you to keep living for Jesus? What encourages you to keep living for Jesus? And listen, listen to those answers. Is it, is it uh, seeing other people live it out? Is it um, constant reminders of the gospel? Is it reading the Bible with other people? Uh, is it seeing people come to faith? Now, the thing is, with, with all of those, we see them all happening at the gathering. And, and that is why another reason why the gathering is so important. Um, but what can you do as an individual um, to encourage your brothers and sisters and, and therefore spur them on to live for Jesus in all of life? And what do you need as an individual to encourage you to, and, and to spur you on to live for Jesus in all of life? Think back to this, um, this Olympian, this, this swimmer set out to achieve a goal, to win a medal for his country, and, and, and he achieved it. But if he went it alone, he would never have achieved it. He said that himself. 
He needed the encouragement, the motivation of his community. He needed his friends, his family, his coach, his swimming community around him and encouraging him. He set out for a goal, for a goal, and he achieved his goal by being spurred on. Guys, we have a goal. And as amazing as the Olympics are, the Olympic medal is not a speck on eternity with God. Our goal is to live for Jesus, sharing him with people and growing in our spiritual maturity, worshipping him. And we do this because we have confidence that Jesus' life, death and resurrection was enough to save us, enough to welcome us into his family, enough to welcome us into his presence. So, we should be spurring each other on. Reminding each other why we're doing this and what it looks like. And we can do this by, by not neglecting the gathering. Not forsaking meeting together. We have a part to play, but, but by encouraging one another to keep at it. So good job, church. Uh, this has been a rough season. It really has. Uh, it's not been easy, but I think that we've been doing a really, really good job to keep following Jesus. Uh, it's, I've, I've, been, I've, I've loved hearing that, that people have been bringing people meals who are in need. That, that people have been reaching out to neighbours that we've been praying for. That people have joined our church. I love that. That people have moved in with other people who, who are also in need. It's so good. And, and this is what it's all about. And that spurs me on. Just Even just hearing that spurs me on. And God's glorified in those things as well. So this is what it's all about. And I can't wait to see you guys properly. But let's remember to ask in our gospel communities or in our breakout rooms, remember to ask each other, what is it that spurs or what is it that encourages you to live for Jesus? And then let's act upon those things. What is it that encourages you to live for Jesus? And then let's act upon those things. Because as we do, we're spurring one another on toward love and good deeds. See you, church.